Ulterior. I think seeing Twitter peaked in the last few days when the frontman of American Beauty posted a statement in which he canceled himself for coming too fast. That is fucking crazy, dog. Pull-out game in the depths. Like, you could never waterboard torture that shit out of me. But moving on, th- there's music for me to talk about and shit takes for me to get off. Uh, you know how it be. So I'm just going to go ahead and get into that now. In this episode, I'm going to look at brand new singles from the likes of Current, Bayside, Katie Drive, San Atlantic, and a few others I want to get to. And then brand new records by Osaya, Dream State, and Year of the Knife, and a sort of somewhat new record from Thrice. Thanks for listening, thank you for tapping in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. The Astro Boy shoes by Mischief are fucking beasts and do not let anyone tell you otherwise. They are not at all practical to wear with like 99% of the fits that are humanly possible to put together, but I think that they are so like comical and unbelievable that I have convinced myself they're dope as hell and I would like a pair. I don't know about the like $300, $350 price point as an alluring element to it, but if the opportunity ever arises for some fuck shit to be pulled off, Y'all already know what it is. Ask your boy in the cut for real, for real. Fuck y'all think. Um, I don't really have much else that I feel like covering in the news. The Grammys were on the weekend and uh, turns out lost. LeBron James got the all-time scoring record. He probably is better than Jordan and Kobe, but I do still prefer the two of them over him. It is what it is, though. Big ups to him. Uh, the Super Bowl is this Sunday. Go Eagles. Netflix got bullied. That was sick. We should bully big corporations more often. Uh, my life is in shambles, but when is it not? You know, that, that's part of why I create this outlet in the first place, so that I can be chaotic and narcissistic for a few minutes every week. Manic type shit, you feel me? I really shouldn't waste any more time, because there are quite a lot of singles to get through, and then some records, so yeah, this is going to be a little bit busy. Uh, I'm starting off with the number one ranked song for Scenic Overlook last week, and that was the brand new single by Current. It is called Remember Me. This is off of the new album, The Death We Seek, out on May 5th, and I have thought about what types of absolutes I feel like I can use in this episode to relate to you guys what I think about Remember Me, and what I landed on is that I think this is the best metalcore song to come out of the scene since Slaughterhouse by Motionless and White last year. There is no bit of doubt in my mind that this is the best song Currents have ever written, Remember Me didn't just find the balance between heaviness and emotion, it fucking defines that line. And I think some of what contributes to that feeling is when you understand how, like, eerie and daunting the single's timing is, because about two weeks ago at this point, we learned that Current's guitarist, Ryan Casaldi, was diagnosed with cancer. So, understanding that while listening to lines like, I can sense it, I've convinced myself that the world I love is gone, the blood is in the walls, the damage has been done... We carry the weight of selfless scars we silently crave. Upon a pedestal, we place our pain. This all made for 
one of the most chilling and moving experiences metalcore has delivered in not just this year so far, but the decade so far. This is absolutely brilliant, and within that malevolence, there is beauty, and that beauty has crafted a spot for Remember Me as one of my favorite songs of the year so far, and I'm sure by the end of the year, it will still be one of my favorites. Let me talk about the new Bayside single featuring Spencer Charms from Ice Nine Kills. It is called How to Ruin Everything, Patience. I don't know what the likelihood was of Bayside releasing potentially the best material of their careers 23 years after their formation, but it's what's happening. That's where we're at. So let me give Bayside their fucking flowers for being an early scene band that knows how to fit what they're doing into the modern age. There is a slight sense of heaviness to the normal style of pop punk that Bayside executes in the song, and the addition of Spencer adds more character to those layers, and he doesn't necessarily make this song what it is per se, but he definitely feels like a vital part to this amalgamation. I think the run that Bayside has been on since the Red EP last year is incredibly inspiring, and they've done nothing but make buckets for the Blue EP between this song and Go to Hell. Bayside is one of the coolest bands in the world right now, and that is kind of nuts to me, but I'm also really happy about that. Katie Drives has a brand new single out, Anywhere But Here. I wasn't aware of Katie Drive's existence before last week, and I happened to find this song through Scene Daddy's Twitter, so shout out Scene Daddy for this one, because Katie is a fucking hooper. Uh, service level, there probably isn't anything extraordinary that stands out about anywhere but here, as it is pretty much just like straightforward pop punk, but it is straightforward pop punk done really, really, really fucking well in my opinion. I can feel and hear every lyric and note within anywhere but here because it resonates with me and I feel like that's thanks to so many elements of this track such as the raw production sound and Katie's specific cadence in terms of how some of the lines in the chorus feel like they're dragging. But again, all of these characteristics make anywhere but here feel more special than just a normal catchy pop punk song to get lost in. And it's also been the soundtrack to my crisis for the last week or so, like a... Really, 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 really bad crisis, guys. I am down bad, truthfully. Why won't this girl that I... I don't know what's happening, but I'll shut up about that now. This isn't about me, it's about scene music, which might still be more host-scaring than my own existence, somehow. Tu cuerpo si que esta en la temperatura. You know what that translates to? It translates to there's a brand new motherfucking treasure single called Temperatura. It actually translates to your body is in temperature, but let me cook for a second because I've said so many times on this goddamn show before that I think Treasures are one of the coolest fucking bands in the world, and they have been ever since Spotlight dropped six years ago. 
there's never a dull moment in getting to experience them. And with Temperatura, the incorporation of not only Spanish lyrics from Diego, but also a Spanish vibrancy to the entire instrumentation makes Temperatura one of the sickest things they've ever put forth. It is exciting and energizing all the way through without ever having to elevate the heaviness factor the way that Stresser songs normally do. And the brilliance of this project is only going to be further accentuated on February 17th because they're releasing the new album Sex and Sax, and I have no idea what to do myself because I'm finna act a fucking fool on this bitch when it's time to review it. Brand new San Atlantic single, it is called Killer. Almost two months ago at this point, I sat down and waffled about Stan Atlantic during the year-end episodes. The ninth best song of the year in Pity Party and the fifth best record of the year on Fear, if I remember correctly. And now, coming into Killer, I won't make any absolute statements about this song, but what I will say is that hearing Stan Atlantic move forward with a lot of the elements that made Fear as special to me as it was makes me even more excited for this band's future because they are one of the most enthralling acts you can listen to right now. What Killer does is manage to find the balance between darkness and catchiness and use that to further define who San Atlantic are currently and the spot in the scenes that they've been carving for themselves for a minute now. I said before, like where San Atlantic initiated in, I wasn't totally a fan of it. Skinny Dipping, Pink Elephant uh, didn't totally win me over, but Fear was just something so generational and the steps being made with Killer... I had that same feeling, and it is fucking marvelous. Six Feet is the name of the brand new single out by Real Friends. I'm going to start this off by reading a tweet that was made on the Real Friends account around the time that this song released. Six Feet is a song about longing to be loved while you're still here. I hear good things said about people after something bad happens to them or after they pass away. We need reminders to appreciate our loved ones that are here. This song is one of those reminders. And I think that summarizes the lyrical meaning more eloquently than I ever could because this song is beautiful while being demented in that same sense. Instrumentally, it's able to capture that same essence by being energetic and catchy while still melancholic at the same time. And it really might be recency bias, and I acknowledge that. But there is a legitimate chance that this is my favorite Real Friends song to date, and assuming that they have a new record out this year, they are absolutely going to be one of the most exciting bands to watch over the next few months. There are some details out about the brand new Nothing Nowhere album, I'll get to those shortly, but right now let me introduce a brand new single called Thirst for Violence and it features Freddie Dredd and Silverstein. The album is called Void Eternal, and it releases on March 31st. I don't know what to expect for this record, because the entire rollout thus far has been as wild and unpredictable as one can be. 
Cyanide featuring Pete Wentz and Misery Syndrome featuring Buddy Nielsen gave at least an idea that this album will take a heavier and darker direction for Nothing Nowhere. And so does Thirst for Violence because of how it embodies a lot of an, like, aged new metal spirit with Shane Told's screams and Freddie Dredd's verses. But when looking at the track listing for Void Eternal, how does Will Ramos from Lorna Shore fit into this? Or Connie Scarbosa from Sea Space Cowboy? Or Ali Appleyard from Static Dress? Bro put together an Avengers-type shit ensemble for this album, and that alone makes this one of the most anticipated projects of the entire year. Who likes Invent Animate? It turns out I do way more than I thought I did. A uh, brand new single from them, it is called Immolation of Night. The new album by Invent Anime is called Heavener, and it is set to be released on March 17th. I talked earlier about Current and the impact that I thought Remember Me made. I really, really don't think that Invent Anime were that far off from winning Metalcore for the week. Immolation of Night is really, really fucking sick, and I felt that there was a lot for the band to live up to after how much I loved Elysium. The arrangement and execution of Immolation is brutal while packing emotion, and there are these, like, changes to the pacing of the track spread throughout and each time even if i could sense it coming it still fucking battered my shit in dog a masterful song by a band that i think has all the tools right now to take control this year and for the final single of the week that i'm going in detail on and i am beyond fucking stoked for this one day in the life of a fool by see you next tuesday The reason that I'm stoked to talk about this song is because I had no fucking clue that See You Next Tuesday were back in the game. For anyone who might not know, See You Next Tuesday were this obscure band from the MySpace days who fused deathcore with mathcore, and I thought that they were seriously beast. They had two albums in the late 2000s called Parasite and Intervals. Um, so y'all know that trend from Twitter last week where there were four albums listed and you had to choose one to keep? There was one of those janks that had Parasite in it, and I was fucking floored because I had not thought about See You Next Tuesday in fucking years. So that allowed me to revisit Parasite, and in that process, I found out that the band is not only active again, but they've been releasing some singles for a new album called Distractions that drops on February 17th. By complete accident, I have See You Next Tuesday back in my life, and Day in Life of a Full satisfies every facet of the scene that I needed it to. It is chaotic, it is destructive, it never eases in its malevolence, it is a fucking perfect song, and the MySpace scene kid inside of me is beaming over this shit, and just the fact that I can get on this show soon and tell you guys about a brand new See You Next Tuesday album, I didn't expect that, but I'm fucking thrilled it's happening. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the reviews on social media. I Can't Find the Words by Bellhaven. Attack of the Bluebirds by Brogue Job. Message in a Bottle by Chaos Bay, that is a police cover. Under the Weather by Corpse. Portal by Dane. Higher by Foxlake. Nightmare by From Ashes to New. 
We Had the Time of Our Lives by Malvi featuring Lights, Me by Meg Myers, Over by Mosaic, Off With Your Head by Red Hook, Don't Wait by Sick Frame featuring Mup, Out Loud by The New Age, Prisoner Again by The Ongoing Concept, I Want You Dead by Two Feet featuring Ali Cable, Panic by Yannicka, and Next Time by Young Pinch. There were three songs that I gave a 3 out of 5 to. The first was Out of My League by Dead Bundy. Just a really, in my opinion, not well-produced pop-punk song. It just, the raw feeling to it's not very good, in my opinion. Uh, Chandelier by Drippin' So Pretty. It's a little bit better than what he's been doing lately, but I still feel like Drippin' So Pretty is just not at all where I know he can be with his material. Um, Rotten Apple by Nathan James. I think Nathan James trying new metal is fine so far, but it's just really, really uninspired in comparison to some of his like more hip-hop and pop-oriented stuff from before that I really got into. And I gave a 2 out of 5 to All the Same by Lonely Avenue. I really, really don't know what went wrong here. I don't think Lonely Avenue is a bad band at all. They've had some great songs in the past, but All the Same, it's underproduced and underwhelming and just not anything that I can champion in any facet on this show. So those are all the singles, and that's now going to bring me to the record cycle for this week, and that is consisting of three EPs and then an album that is like kind of sort of new, but not really, but we'll get to that later on. I'm actually going to start off with what I think is my favorite of these releases last week, and that is Dust to Dust by Year of the Knife. I think I'm correct in saying that this was a surprise drop because I can't recall reviewing any of the singles for it prior, and I know I would have because Year of the Knife is an act that I've been paying attention to ever since hearing Internal Incarceration back in 2020. I thought that was a sick record that incorporated a lot of elements in hardcore that often make that genre something really captivating for myself. Um... But I couldn't really have those internal incarceration lenses on for Dust to Dust because there is a really big lineup change present here as Tyler, who was on vocals for that album, isn't in the band anymore. I do not definitively know what happened, but I did come across some Reddit threads about something going wrong with his vocal cords, which would be a, a real fucking bummer if that's the case for his exit. Um, he's still drumming for Gridiron, so continue to support the bro over there for real, for real. But this change to the lineup of Year of the Knife now puts Maddie, who was their bassist, on vocals, and right from the opening seconds of Control C, she commands attention like this was the spot she was always destined to be in. She sounds fucking insane on this EP, and that powerful presence that she brings forth in her screams brings Dust to Dust together in a fashion that's similar to how Tyler was able to bring together the past releases for Year of the Knife. Control C, Victim, and the Tower Track combine for around 7 minutes, but Dust to Dust is a 7 minute journey that feels like the establishment of a hardcore act that can carve their own spot in the upper echelon of the genre. Like, I, I really, really do mean it, guys. I think this EP is genuinely phenomenal. The one gripe, if you can even call it a gripe, that I have is just how it is more of a teaser than anything else for what Year of the Knife can do from now on with Maddie as their front woman. And having this teaser in hand now for almost a week, I want so much more of this. Just everything that Maddie is doing right now with Year of the Knife 
I could use a lot more of this. The scene could use a lot more of this. Hardcore could use way more of Year of the Knife right now because, again, with these new tools and elements in their disposal, this can be a major act for a while moving forward, and I want to see that come to fruition. That was actually kind of quick for a review, but again, it was a three-song EP, and so was this next one, so it might be around the same length. Untethered by Dream State. In some ways, a similar story plays out for Dream State as it did for Year of the Knife, though, in my opinion, not as favorably. So, Dream State had a record back in 2019, it was called Primo's Path, and I think that is one of the most underappreciated albums of like the last five years or so. There was so much going on for that record, and namely a song called Open Windows that I think remains the magnum opus for Dream State, but, you know... Stuff happens in life, as it always does, and in the time between that album and this EP, Dream State is almost an entirely different band because a new vocalist, drummer, and bassist were all brought on. And with the new vocalist, Jesse, I think she is a good fit for Dream State, given their sound, and from a performance standpoint, I think the flavor and vibrancy she brings to Untethered is one of the coolest aspects of it. Like, specifically, there's a part of the pre-chorus in the first track, Comfort and Chaos, where she doesn't utilize this raspiness that is present in the rest of the song, and I think that shows much of her strongest suits when it comes to delivering on vocals. And Comfort and Chaos likely is my favorite song on the EP because it feels like the right way to bridge the gap between Primrose Path and Untethered. The other two songs, Taunt Me and Chain Reactions... I think, at large, I'm still trying to adjust and really figure out how I feel about them. Um, I like Trust Me Enough, but there is something about its execution that I feel like it is lacking in some areas for an act like Dream State, who I've been super high on in the past. And then with Chain Reactions, there's, like, not a lot, but just a little bit, some embracing of popular elements going on here, and I don't know if what might be holding the track back in some regards is... Jesse using a similar tone here as she does the other two songs when I feel like maybe Chain Reactions called for something different just to be versatile and not box the EP in a way where someone could say like, well, I heard the opener and that was all I needed to get a grasp of what this incarnation of Dream State sounds like. Just something to really further distinguish these songs from another would have really worked in the favor of Dream State because I think that is what they needed. They needed a release that separated Jesse from CJ in all the right ways and I don't know if it did that. It's not a bad start to this new direction for them by any means but it's just also not as emphatic as I would have hoped for it to be but the elements that are present here there's definitely something to work with. There's a lot of ground to cover, there's a lot of bases to build and I think Dream State, as long as they say the course and just maybe kind of refine a little bit of what is happening here, they have a path to make this work out. And I really, really want them to do that. Y'all want to talk about Deathcore for a second? Kronos is a new EP out by Osaya. So, 
Something that stands out to me about Osaya is the time period in which I last spoke about them on this show because it was back on May 7th, 2021 when their last album Loss was released. And that was at the time where I was still reviewing everything on the show weekly. Um, what I do for single reviews now is I just take a few songs to talk about and then I quickly make mention of what I didn't go into detail on. For the first month or so of this show's existence, I talked about everything. So my memories with Osaya are shrouded with exhaustion and fatigue and an overall state of unhappiness that legitimately could have killed my passion for music had I continued to overwork myself like that. So to be able to get Kronos now as their most recent body of work is cool because while I might not necessarily be happy right now in my life, I'm not taking any of that out on music like I did before. I think Kronos starts off on the best possible note through Memento Mori, which doesn't waste any time in setting the stage throughout its first minute. Um, the eventual explosion into a blast beat as the entire band comes together, it really reminds me of something from, say, like, This Is Exile by Whitechapel or My Damnation by Chelsea Grin. It's just really sick deathcore that doesn't try to be flashy. It doesn't try to incorporate any symphonic elements or anything like that. It's just bare bones in a really effective way. And I think between that song and The Golden Throne, you can hear Osaya having this comfortability with deathcore and... To me, it makes for a lot of exciting moments that I can get lost in and bang my head to. But on that same note, there are some moments where I don't think the efforts by Osaya have that same delivery. Elder King and Seeds of Despair are cool songs and I do like them, but I also think they definitely feel like B-level in comparison to Memento Mori and The Golden Throne. Um, the ideas are there, and I can recognize that when I listen to those songs, but they're not fleshed out enough for me to put them on the same pedestal as the other two tracks I mentioned. And then with the closing song, Hughes Refract. Much of what draws me to that song right now lies within the strange respect I have for Osaya trying something like this out. Hughes Refract is almost 7 minutes long, which is already terrifying the hose, but then like more than 2 minutes of that time is spent as an intro, and then there are clean vocals incorporated with no traditional deathcore screams following. It is so unique in comparison to the rest of the EP that even if I can find faults with it, I feel like the ballsiness of the song outweighs all of that to some extent. And coming out of Kronos, maybe I don't feel as high on Osaya as I did when I finished hearing Loss two years ago at this point, but what I was able to admire about this was... The layers to the songs I thought really, really executed, like Memento Mori, and just how they were able to factor in this nostalgic feeling within Deathcore for myself while still pushing the genre forward. And I think that is the kind of identity that Osaya need to continue on with building. And if they can do that, then I see no reason why I'm not going to be gassing them up the same way that I do other Deathcore acts like To the Grave, for example. And for the final record of this episode... I didn't know if I was going to be talking about this when I initially heard the album, and then after some consideration, I was like, fuck it, why, why wouldn't I talk about this? Because it's actually really, really important to the scene. And that is The Artist in the Ambulance Revisited by Thrice.
So just to kind of give a little bit of background for anybody who might not really be familiar with Thrice and what this album means to their careers, The Artist in the Ambulance was their 2003 album. It was their third record. It was their first under a major label, though, that being Island Records. And while I don't believe that Artist in the Ambulance is the best Thrice album, I acknowledge that it is the most important. I acknowledge that it is one of the most vital releases in the scene at that time in the 2000s. And there is a certain trajectory to not only Thrice, but some of their contemporaries who would not have been able to enjoy certain benefits that they did without this album. Thrice would not have gone to where they are without this album. There would be no Visu. There would be no To Be Everywhere Is To Be Nowhere. They needed the artist in the ambulance the same way that everybody in the scene at that time needed it. So the decision to revisit the album for the 20 year anniversary It makes all the sense in the world, and I understand why Thrice did it, and ultimately, I would say I'm glad they did it, because it got to kind of show me firsthand what something from that time period sounds like now, because I can imagine my head, but to actually hear it, it was a little bit startling, but again, a really, really cool experience. And when I said earlier that I didn't know if I would review this album, it was because I didn't know about taking the time to mention to you guys a release that is not actually made up of new material there are things within this album that make it feel new but overall it's not new necessarily and i thought why would i talk about something that's not really new and then i realized what was the first song this year to be ranked number one scenic overlook it was a fucking different alternative version of inner beauty by abyss watching me so it's like if i could give that its flowers why wouldn't i do the same thing for fucking thrice i'll just say this as like my old head opinion for this review i would not prefer to listen to any of these remade versions over the original and again that's just like a real nostalgic take because the artist in the ambulance it strikes a certain chord of nostalgia within me that It cannot be replicated. It cannot be renewed. It is something deep within the original recording. So for that reason, I would never choose to listen to the revisited version over the original. But again, there are enough elements here to really make something like Under a Killing Moon stand out in comparison to its OG counterpart because of the Sam Carter feature. Um, there were so many different feature spots here, like on Stare at the Sun, which has Andy Hull from Manchester Orchestra, and then Blood Clots and Black Holes, which has Chuck Reagan from Hot Water Music. These feature spots mixed in with the age sound of Thrice gives the artist in the ambulance revisited more than enough good reasons to exist. Um, I think a lot of the album's elements were kept intact, all the way down to Silhouette still being my least favorite song between the original and the remake. So that's kind of cool to see in a weird way, I guess. Um, this was, this was nice overall. I I really do dig this. I like that Thrice went ahead with this, but I don't need for them to do it again when Visu turns 20, and I know they're not really going to. I also don't feel like I need for other bands to do something similar. Um, I I I did see a tweet that suggested Avenged Sevenfold do this for Waking the Fallen since that turns 20 this year, and I cannot think of many things I want to hear less than current Avenged Sevenfold, such a song as Second Heartbeat, but... To each their own, you know, it be what it be, it do what it do, and Thrice definitely did what they do on this bitch. And that's it. Those were all of the singles and albums and EPs for me to get through. It was a busy week. I feel like this is the first, like, really busy week for this show that I've had in a while. 
Um, so that's great because it means that shit is picking up. And if shit's picking up, then maybe my life will pick up. It's not going to, but let's just pretend anyways. Till then, I'll just pretend. And that's going to do it for me for now, for real, for real. Um, thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene. Let's make a scene.